You're listening to the Small Town Monsters Broadcasting Network. You can find out more about this and other network shows, as well as Small Town Monsters films, books, our upcoming Kickstarter campaign, and much more at smalltownmonsters.com. Good evening, folks. Welcome back to STM Live. My name is Aaron. I am the social media manager over here at Small Town Monsters and somehow the host of this show. Couldn't tell you why. Uh, no, it's a pleasure to be here as always. Uh, I look forward to these live streams all week long. It's always a pleasure to see you guys. Uh, we do have a few announcements for you. There's a ton of exciting stuff going on in the Small Town Monsters world right now, um, but a few high points for you. We have a new episode of The Lore You Know, hosted by Heather Mosier, available on your podcasting platform of choice. And this week's guest is none other than Easton Hawk of Easton Hawk Illustration. Uh, Easton has done work with Small Town Monsters in the past. You have almost definitely seen his designs floating around in the cryptid community. Uh, one of the works that Easton has helped us out with is this poster for Monster Fest 2, which is coming June 29th of next year. Tickets are selling out, folks. They're going fast. I think a lot of people picked up uh, Monster Fest tickets as holiday gifts. So pick those up while you can. Head over to stmmonsterfest.com to check those out. Uh, we have a big release coming later this week for you guys and it's presently available to squad members aka youtube channel members on the trail of bigfoot the last frontier um, this is a big one guys uh, mr cliff barockman is in this one seth breedlove is in this one uh, alex and eli are in this one a bunch of people are in this film and it's one of the biggest stm productions one of my favorites that will be available worldwide on youtube on sunday the 31st so you can roll in the new year on the last frontier it's not as clever as it was when I came up with it. Uh, speaking of things for next year, <laughs> the next Small Town Monsters Kickstarter launches on February 1st of 2024. This is going to get you early access and your name in the credits to the next round of Small Town Monsters films. One of the projects that's included in that wave of movies is Dogman Territory, Werewolves in the Land Between the Lakes. We are revealing the full theatrical poster by Chelsea Lowe. Uh, later this week, Chelsea Lowe is a super cool artist. She's done work with a bunch of big studios, and now she's working with us. So feel free to feel a little bit jealous about that. Uh, last thing for the on the docket for the evening, we have a new podcast coming your way very soon. Um, House of Monsters will be available on pretty much all the major podcasting platforms early next year, uh, written and created by some guy. Um, it's me. It's my show. Um, I'm doing it. So I hope you like it. I like it. Stay tuned for more information on that. Uh, more monsters and stuff coming up. We are talking Bigfoot tonight. We're talking about the final STM release of the year. Um, the final episode of On the Trail of Bigfoot so, or Beyond the Trail rather. Sorry, too many titles on the mind. So let's get to our discussion. Let's welcome tonight's guest. You know him, you love him. Once again, returning to the STM live stage, Mr. Alex Petikov. How are you, brother? Good, good to be back. It's uh, seems like it's been not that long, maybe only a couple weeks, right? Yeah, it feels like it. The I feel like so much time goes by between these shows, and then the next one rolls around, and I'm like, my God, I was just sitting in this little corner yesterday. So <laughs> yeah, I'm sure doing it weekly for you is different, but no, yeah, uh, it's it's good to be back as always, man. Always great to have you. Yeah, always. Um, shout out to our squad members at the top of the hour, of course. He got Michael Smith. Uh, crazy cat lady 68. I see you, crazy cat lady. I, I hear you. I have too many cats. Um, and Brittany Taylor, <laughs> welcome to the squad, you guys. Thanks so much for supporting what we do. Um, hello to Scott. Hey, hello Scott, to how you doing, man? 
Scott, uh, another squad member. Always good to see you. Mr. Dollar Store Gloves, Dottie from Michigan. Michigan, Dogman. Hey there. Another Dogman territory area. And hello to everybody else. Great to see you all. Um, so let's get into it. As always, folks, please feel free. We uh, encourage you to drop your comments and questions uh, for Alex in the chat. You can ask me questions too. I don't know what I'm going to tell you because Alex is the guy that gets out there and gets the work done. But please uh, throw your questions in there. We always like to hear from you. So how are you doing, man? How's uh, the years winding down? You've you've we're wrapping up the Alaska stuff for the time being. How are you feeling? Good. Yeah. I mean, there's just been a lot. Obviously, it's been a very busy year with the Alaska stuff. There is still one more Alaskan film coming out. I don't know exactly when, maybe some point earlier in the year. I don't know if it's going to be January or later. It's to be decided, but that's the one that's going to feature an interview with Les Stroud as part of it. So Les Stroud of Survivor Man recounts his story. It'll touch on Port Chatham a little bit, infamous Port Chatham, Port Lock. Uh, and just kind of some of the stuff on the Kenai Peninsula, specifically of Alaska. So we're not done with Alaska yet. Obviously, we have, as you announced, on the trail of Bigfoot, The Last Frontier. I have a poster of it up there actually coming out. That's See really it. fun because that's one of our first also Alaska ventures that we did in 2022. And that talks about Area A. It talks about a lot of other stuff, too. So that's a really cool, cool one. But, yeah, it's good to be winding the year down. It was obviously busy with kind of the Alaskan and Canadian productions. But, uh I was glad to kind of end it on this note with this particular episode. So, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to get into it with you, man. I, there's a lot of really interesting material here. Um, <clears throat> and I found like a lot of times when I'm coming up with notes to talk to my guests about for these shows, I have to stop myself from retreading the same ground because, you know, we're talking about Bigfoot and a lot of the same questions do come up. Um, but here, like this is this is a, a unique approach to this. So I'm really excited to get into it with you. I think it's going to be a great discussion. So I did want to just say real quick, I'm seeing we have a lot of international uh, viewers in the audience. Yeah, I've seen some... England, all kinds of stuff. That's yeah. really cool. UK, we got some folks in Canada. Of course, we're ha always happy to see everybody from all over, but I always, it, yeah. I always think it's neat when we see people internationally. So well, Especially welcome. those UK people. They're staying up pretty late right now. Yeah, burning the, the midnight oil for sure. Good to see some. I know there's a few New Hampshire and Maine people coming in, so that's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My neck of the woods here. Well, speaking of speaking of uh, Maine, New Hampshire, we do have an audience question on that, so we'll get we'll get right to that. Glenn H asks, uh, Alex, what's the latest news out of New Hampshire or Maine and Vermont, for that matter? It's a good question. If it's like Bigfoot wise, I don't really know. I haven't had my ear to the ground, so to speak. I know I have some lo I have some local researchers that I'm in touch with, and people have gotten a few sightings here and there, but nothing huge that I'm aware of. And honestly, I haven't been paying attention. I've been so caught up with. Obviously, with this Canadian and Alaskan stuff, I've been mentally in Alaska and Canada still throughout the fall, right, with all the different films I was editing. And I've been doing a lot of other stuff behind the scenes and other things going on in life. So I haven't had a lot of time. I've been doing a little couple local outings with some friends of mine from the New England area. But uh, we'll be actually going out again soon here in New Hampshire. But nothing, nothing crazy, nothing really that I'm super aware of. So unless there's something that I don't know... Um, that's that's all I got for you. Yeah, shoot us an email. You may know more than we do. <laughs> yeah, send, send us see if you got any encounters or stuff like that. I know sometimes I put them in the videos, but you can either contact the STM email and that'll end up my way, or you can just email Alex. That's A L E K S at smalltownmonsters.com. I get people sending me emails with stuff all the time on there, so it's really cool. So if you have anything to share, 
feel free to send it. Yeah, please, please. Again, we always love to hear from you guys. So right off the bat, it seems like there is a ton of wildlife in this area. Like that was one of the first things I noticed in the first few minutes of this episode is that we're seeing like a wolf, a bear, <laughs> just a ton of wildlife. And it yeah. seems like you didn't even have to stray too far off the beaten path for that. Um, I just wonder if you could tell us more about that because I thought that was so interesting. Yeah, no, just these areas, British Columbia, obviously, uh, like so many of the other kind of parts of the world that are very remote like that, Alaska, Yukon, that part of the, that part of North America, there's just a lot of wildlife. And specifically where this episode takes place in the Bella Coola Valley, which is a very remote, very hard to get to place. I mean, it was a we started in Vancouver and, you know, went up to Squamish and then drove through, you got to drive through the mountains and go to the interior of British Columbia. I mean, it was about a 12 hour round or 12 hour one way trip driving. I mean, that's how huge British Columbia is. And this is only halfway up the coast, but there's that, those coastal rainforest mountain ranges that you just cannot, there's nothing mm -hmm. you can't get through there. So the road goes all the way to the interior of the province and cuts back down in the mountains. And we saw wild horses, we saw um, just tons of bears on the road. And also this was in May. So there was a lot of bears just coming out, especially in these valleys. Cause you have to realize a place like Bella Coola itself is in this, in this really incredible valley, just surrounded by these gigantic mountains. Uh, so the animals naturally come down into the valleys when it warms up, bears start to feed, all that kind of stuff. So it's very easy to see wildlife. Uh, we saw a ton, we didn't see grizzly bears but we did see a lot of black bear and um there's just there's mountain lions there there's grizzly bear there's uh there's moose there's caribou in some of the higher elevations so it's just there's a lot of different critters out there i think there's also elk there i'm not sure may or may or may not be there i think it's i think there is but don't hold me to that we didn't see any though well it really kind of Pardon me. i've made the this point in our conversations on the show before so i don't want to belabor it but you know it really kind of speaks to the the remoteness and isolation of these areas that you're seeing this kind of wildlife just come wandering out of the trees, more or less, you know, like, well, why haven't we found Sasquatch yet? Because we're looking for them in places like this. I mean, it's right. just, it's huge. I, it's, I love it's, it. Yeah, it's just ridiculous, uh, the, the amount of space out there. And that whole valley, that Bella Coola area that's in the film, it's the traditional lands of the New Hulk Nation. That's kind of their, where they've been for tens of thousands of years. I mean, and they were, they all, they were kind of all around there. There's, once you get to basically where the ocean is, you have just thousands of islands that it's not like you, you get to Bella Coola, you're right in the ocean. No, you've got these channels that go on for, uh, you know, hundreds of miles. There are ocean bays that wind into inlets surrounded by mountains. It takes you a few hours just to get out to the actual wider part of the ocean. So there's just endless amount of islands and territory. And it's the same habitat, basically all the way from parts of Alaska, the Kenai Peninsula, down into Southeast Alaska, British Columbia, and then into Washington, uh, into the Pacific Northwest. So it's just a ridiculous amount of space, but uh, it's very hard to get to. There's only about, I think, two to 3,000 3, people total live in the Bella Coola Valley, oh, wow. which is just nothing because it's such an isolated place. I mean, you can literally only get in there through that crazy steep, insane road or via ferry or fly in of course there's a small airport um so it's fun fact about pelicula and that was kind of a little tidbit i had to include in the film was that if people have seen the movie the incredible hulk where edward norton is the hulk so you might remember at the, one. you oh might remember God. at the end of the movie how he's hiding out 
in some beautiful lush mountain place. That was actually in the Bella Coola Valley that he was in. No kidding. And the house that I showed was the one that he was sitting in doing his meditation so he didn't turn into the Hulk. Dude, it was really no cool because a lot of people talked about it and they said, yeah, Edward Norton and the crew, they were here for a few weeks when they filmed that, you know, whenever that was like a decade or so ago. Uh, so very isolated. And, you know, it's it's funny because that's I don't know if that's the first time I ever heard about Bella Coola or it was from some of the Bigfoot stuff. I, it was one or the other. I'm not sure. But I distinctly remember it's a very unique name, Bella Coola. Uh, yeah. It's just got a, yeah. It kind of rolls off the tongue. I don't exactly know what it means. It's not... First Nation, so um, they have a different name for that kind of territory. Um, that is, I, I think, a name that was later added. There's also a, a town that's, I think, an hour or so ferry ride that's in one of these islands called Bella Bella, which is also kind of, so I don't know what the name significance is, but um, I guess I probably should have found that out when I was doing the film, but oh, it's know. a beautiful area, so yeah. <laughs> it's only so many hours in the day. Yeah, Mr. Um, Mr. Nelson, the witness you spoke with, in the, in the interview talks about that, that Bella Coola is the, the name in English. Yes. Yeah. 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 I did want to ask about him because he was such a compelling witness, such an interesting interview. You know, his knowledge of the local lore was so deep and so authentic, just hearing from someone that grew up with this, you know, it's not somebody like me or you coming from the outside. It, it was such an interesting and, and great thing to listen to. Um, but I'm wondering, how did you get in contact with him? How did that come about? So I was actually working with the New Hulk kind of cultural, um, I don't, not a cultural council, tribal, they're sort of um, administration. So they have a cultural governance kind of office there. Um, and I was in contact with them for a while before venturing to Bellacula because I wanted to talk to people there, but I wanted to do it in a respectful manner. Um, that, you know, was working with them and making sure we had all the protocols and everything right. Uh, because they, in the, in their culture, and I, I, I'm not going to try to speak on it. I'm just going to say what my experience was with kind of talking to them. Ideas like the Sninic are almost like copyrighted in a way, if that's, that's kind of the best analogy to maybe a Western concept. That's a, a Sninic is kind of an intellectual property kind of of their nation. So that's an mm -hmm. idea like the the Sasquatch is to tech to some of the other tribes or other First Nations in British Columbia. The Sasquatch is kind of from that southern BC region. Uh, so they, they kind of try to steward the, or protect the idea because it's something that's culturally relevant to them. It's part of their culture. So I just wanted to make sure we were able to you know, talk about it. And some of the people I initially started reaching out to said, you might want to, you know, go through this process. And I did. And it was great. Um, so I got to speak to a lot of the people that are involved in their kind of uh, governance there and how they how they run their um, their nation, which is a little bit different than in the U.S. I mean, it's a different country, of course, Canada. Uh, mm -hmm. they, they also have a, a you know long history of kind of oppressing the natives there in Canada, uh, even though Canada, I guess, likes to pretend they don't do it as much as the U.S. But uh, from my experience, what the people told me was, and you not not to get political, but to just their lived experience. Obviously, they were people that have been there for tens of thousands of years. I mean, they took me to a sacred site of theirs, which is, which I didn't get to film. I, I commented on it in the film, uh, which was the twelve thousand year old petroglyph site. Which I mean, I mean, that's incredible. What an honor to go see something. That's like un, that. that's almost hard. That's hard to imagine. I mean, that's yeah, so cool. and it was so amazing. And we got to go with uh, Clyde Talio, who is one of the most knowledgeable people apparently in in the new hulk tradition he was telling me that i didn't get to interview him uh, he had an incredibly busy schedule because he basically coordinates with all these 
other First Nations and international organizations all the time, so he's very busy. He uh, told me that he actually helped design the uh, New Hulk display at the uh, Smithsonian Museum of the American Indian, I believe it's called, or the American Native American Museum, the one in Washington, D.C. at the Smithsonian. So even though that's in Canada, different country, it's still part of North America. And mm. I've been to that museum. It's one of the museums, one of the many museums you can go to at the Smithsonian, Smithsonian in D.C. So it's a cool one. Well, I don't know. And that was really cool. He got to actually help put that display together. And he took us on that tour. But to roundabout to answer your question about how he got in touch with Jarrell was he uh, was working there for the New Hall kind of administration. And uh, everyone said, you got to talk to this guy. You got to you know, everyone kind of pointed me to him. They said he's a good storyteller. He is uh, very knowledgeable about this stuff for being a really young guy. I mean, I think I could be wrong. He was in his mid early 20s, maybe I mean, he was younger than me. Right. So and he knew and it was really cool to see that somebody so young that's so connected with uh, their own culture and is involved. Yeah, not just, you know, uh, kind of passionately, but also you know, doing it, which is really cool. It so really got kind to share of a lot of that stuff. It kind of sorry to cut you off, but, you know, I think a lot of people in there, they get this image in their head of, oh, I'm going to go talk to someone of Native American descent. And they're imagining someone who's older. You know, it, it's, right. it was I noticed that, too, like this guy is so young and he's so passionate like that. That was really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. So it was it was really cool. He was just a super nice guy to talk to. Very fascinating, just very, very intelligent guy. I mean, we, we were talking about all kinds of other stuff, too. He's very well read. So that was really cool to talk to. Jarrell. I mean, yes, he's he's from this beautiful place that's this really, you know, to, to most of us in other parts of the world, that's a quiet corner of the world. It's a, it's a very distant, far away, hard to get to place. But he was very well uh, read on all the other stuff kind of in the rest of the world. So that was really cool. As somebody who's a fan of history myself, obviously, we were kind of nerding out on some of that stuff. So uh, cool to hear from people who actually are part of that culture. And again, that was kind of one of my goals, or I don't know if I said this, but yeah, that was one of my goals with this film was really to work with work with the the New Hulk and kind of accurately tell their stories without me coming in and, and talking about it. Because I think a lot of times in the Sasquatch topic, you have stories, First Nation stories, that some Sasquatch researcher at some point says, oh, well, this sounds like Bigfoot. I'm just going to throw it in to the Bigfoot thing and, and just kind of... <clears throat> Uh, portray it maybe as something it's not. So that's why I thought it was important to just let people actually speak. And what was cool is, you know, a lot of people were a little camera shy, which is totally fine. Uh, but they told me their stories said, Hey, you know, this happened to me. Th these were, those are the kinds of experiences that I would talk about on camera that sort of, to me are, are very typical of Sasquatch reports you hear in other places, stuff I've heard, you know, people, oh, we were out hunting and it was like something was whistling at us or it screamed at us. So that for me was something that I'm familiar with. I'm familiar with hearing that kind of stuff. Um, and those people were generous enough to, of course, share their share those stories. And I was able to relay them on camera and talk about, hey, this person literally just stopped us at the store and said, hey, you guys are the ones, you know, they're doing the, the Bigfoot thing because we went on the radio there. So you saw oh, one cool. of the yeah. one of the clips there. You saw how we were invited onto the radio by Sheldon. Uh, who hosts a, uh, they have their own radio station, but he hosts a particular morning show and he got us on there. So we had people that tuned into the to the radio show and heard us on there and said, oh, we got to, you know, we got to reach out to these guys, tell them their stories. So tell them our stories. So that's yeah. great, man. That's so cool. Yeah. That was some of a crazy experience. It was definitely different <clears throat> um, than I think a lot of the other 
documentaries I've done because a lot of them it's, I mean, there was an element of this of, yeah, we were going out camping and having fun in some of these areas. Uh, there was a point where we heard about a new kind of report. So we went to investigate that area, didn't really find anything, but um, it was different because I got to kind of really pull back a little bit and really just let them sort of share their stories. Very cool. Well, uh, let's let's hit a couple audience questions. I have a few more questions for you, but the audience, theirs are always better. Uh, Roderick Emanuel says, large foots. I just wanted to get that up there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It made me smile when I saw it. Uh, Whiter Wolf, I love that. I love that. Uh, the best Bigfoot YouTube channel, the shots, music, the people, everything. Really enjoy all your videos. Good luck and success. Greetings from Dutch. I just another great comment. Just want to make sure we, we got that up there. So Thanks thank you, Whiter Wolf. Much appreciated. Uh, Bruce Davis says, hi, guys. I'm new here. Welcome, Bruce. Uh, happy to have you. Really enjoy this channel. Alex, my favorite. And then uh, Bruce has a follow up question for us. Um, Alex, I'm from Portland, Oregon. Have you guys done any outings here? Yes, we had some very weird stuff happen out there, running into a potential satanic ritual. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. But if you go back, um, especially if you're new to the channel, obviously welcome. But one of our earliest videos called Bigfoot Mountain, I believe it's our third or fourth video. Uh, it came out in late 2021. And that was with Eli and a bunch of other people. We were with Cliff Berrickman and uh, we interviewed him and his wife, Melissa awesome people about the North American Bigfoot Center, which is right outside of, of Portland in Boring, Oregon. And they, that crew that kind of works with the NABC, they took us to a couple spots out there in the Mount Hood National Forest. So that would be kind of some, an area closer to Portland, but you know, beautiful country. And that, we had some weird stuff happen out there in the woods that was human in nature, but uh, we got to go to some cool locations. So yeah, check that out. That one's Bigfoot Mountain, especially if you're newer to the channel. That's one of the older videos on the first video. So um, yeah, that's that was our our Oregon adventure, at least in the early days. Yeah, that one's a classic. Definitely check that one out, guys. Yeah. Great question, Bruce. Thank you and welcome again. Uh, Glenn H. asks, uh, Alex, would you ever consider putting together a weekend meetup somewhere in New England at a campground for Squatchy folks? That sounds like fun. Hey, yeah. Hey, Glenn. Um, I don't know. I haven't really ever thought about that. I guess I don't really do that sort of stuff. Um, maybe at some point, but if uh, if you've been out in the woods with me, you know I'm not a huge fan of organized campgrounds. I'm much more of a dispersed camping, just camp out in the woods, find a cool place to go, either drive in somewhere remote or hike in somewhere. But uh, yeah, I'm not too good at organizing that kind of stuff, but uh, maybe we can make something happen. Uh, hit me up, Glenn. I mean, I go out with some of my other friends in the New England area doing just We'll go out hiking and do other stuff like that. So uh, maybe some occasional kind of Sasquatch research sort of stuff. But um, yeah, hit me up. Maybe we could make something work. Who knows? Yeah. If you want to plan it, Alex will try to be there. I think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Aaron Sleeper, squad member, also kicking a little support to the channel tonight. Thank you, Aaron. We appreciate that. Um, Alex, speaking to our friends in the UK, any thought about a trip across the pond? Maybe investigate the gray man of Ben McDewey. That is a very interesting case. That sounds cool. Yeah, um, Aaron, thank you. We have a lot of cool viewers from the UK. I get a lot of messages too on Instagram and Facebook from people from the UK who are always really 
not only uh, nice to talk to, but they're always so appreciative of the, the nature that we showcase because they say, oh man, we have nothing like that here. I mean, you see a place like Alaska or Bella Coola in this case, and it's just ridiculous uh, how beautiful it is. So you can only imagine for people, um, I guess, in a smaller kind of confined area, although the UK is still beautiful. I mean, I've been to Scotland um, and it's some of those landscapes are incredible. I've actually heard of the Grand Man of Ben McDoo. I do have a theory though. I think it's a weather phenomenon. I don't remember the term. I should probably know this. I've referenced it before, but there's there's videos of people hiking in that area of Ben McDewey in Scotland, and there's this thick fog that frequently will will rise on the mountain there, and if the, and the sun will shine through, and it'll create this really startling illusion where your shadow from the sun in the fog looks like a, a large figure following you on the side of the mountain. It's very creepy. I can totally see hundreds of years ago, people seeing that thinking they're being followed by some kind of strange gray man or a creature. Um, I'm not one of the opinion that I think that there is a Bigfoot like creature in the UK, at least a flesh and blood in a flesh and blood sense. I think that's probably impossible. Um, if it gets paranormal, then I don't know. And I don't know what Bigfoot is at this point. Um, I think I have theories, but I don't know what it is. But I would love to come to the UK in general. I have I have a lot of plans for places I'd like to go. Um, and I'd like to expand into other topics as well. So maybe something like that might be possible in the future. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. You open the paranormal can, dude. That's a whole nother can of worms. Like <laughs> we'll be here all night. But no, yeah. good question. That's I have heard that theory with regards to that case, that it is that weather phenomena that creates that kind of towering cloud. It's very startling. Um, you see a video on, on YouTube. I couldn't believe it. And then, and this was not a guy claiming he had seen a creature. It was just a guy filming himself hiking up this mountain. Cause I watch a lot of hiking videos. I used to be a big backpacker and I, I guess I still am a big hiker backpacker. <laughs> you you, know, you don't, I don't know. <laughs> like do it more. You know, I would st strictly go on hiking trips, just conquering different mountain peaks instead of adding the Bigfoot element. Um, so I watched a lot of that. I came across that video randomly a few years ago. And I said, wow, that sounds just like the Ben McDewey story. So that's a really cool one. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, Vicky has an interesting question. Do you, did you get many people pranking you with reports of sightings? So I've never really had that happen. I mean, actually, I mean, I've had people send me messages or emails that I know are to be frank BS, you know, there's just certain things you can tell uh, I've been at events too. And you can just tell people are pulling your leg. I don't even put any attention to it. I don't even consider it. Um, in this specific video, we didn't get any of that to my knowledge. Um, I did say at one point though, we had heard about a new sighting and this was actually, it came from a credible source. One of the guys there in the new Hulk nation we were talking to said he was um, in contact with a park ranger who would have been a provincial park ranger up there in Canada who had some kind of sighting reported to him apparently, like while we were there in Bella Coola. So that's why we ended up driving up into that valley to go investigate and kind of look around. And I said, you know, I'm gonna reserve my judgment just in case there's somebody trying to prank or something like that. But we didn't really find anything. And we tried to get in touch with the ranger and kind of do a follow-up, but they didn't really want anything to do with it. So I can't say what that was, whether it was a prank or not, but, um, I, I didn't didn't really go anywhere. It was interesting though. I mean, it's still a beautiful area to go check out. So, I don't think that was somebody pranking us though. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's kind of hard to say, like, because you get messages from people, and it could be something they just made up on the cuff. And right, you know, it's 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 hard to say, but it's an interesting question. Hoaxes are an ever present, ever present issue. Unfortunately, sure. more more than we'd like, but uh, it's 
part and parcel with the topic. Yeah. Yeah. Nature of the job. Yep. Um, here's a fun question, a little off topic. Um, well, not really from uh, Baba Luga. I really Baba like this Luga. one. Um, <laughs> cool. We get the coolest usernames in this feed, dude. I swear. Uh, Alex, have you ever considered that dogman sightings might be explained off by Sasquatch sightings in which the Squatch has a more baboon like face? That would explain a lot. I have an answer to this, but I'll let you. I'll let you take it. <laughs> I think first. you should be the one answering that. Yeah. I mean, just I've, I've heard this theory before, right? Um, I, in the past, I thought it made more sense. I'm like, yeah, maybe. And I've, there's been all kinds of crazy theories. Oh, there's four different types of Sasquatches. One looks more baboon-like. I'm like, I mean, honestly, that's just, that to me sounds very hard to believe. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable enough that there's one Sasquatch, as in like one type of Sasquatch, let alone more. I don't, I don't necessarily subscribe to that. I don't know. I mean, maybe there's I mean, humans, some humans have larger noses than others. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's Sasquatch genetic variation. I, I really have no idea. I don't think that explains some of the dogman stuff. I think that's some of the dogman stuff's a little weirder than that. Not really inside my wheelhouse. I think Aaron is more, more, uh, you know, in line to speak with that kind of stuff. But I have heard this theory. It's been talked about as the dogman topic has kind of grown in popularity online that is a theory that i think a lot of bigfoot researchers have mentioned but i don't think it necessarily explains it yeah that's I'd what i was to hear say. what you have to say though aaron yeah i'll, I'll try to i'll try to speak with brevity but <laughs> <laughs> i i think that's Rant an mode engaged no no it's a great <laughs> question and i'm glad you asked Babaluga because this does come up a lot in dogman reports um but after spending three years researching this stuff on a daily basis, the dogman phenomena, at least with the majority of the reports, is its own thing. Um, there's a nature to them that we don't have to spend a bunch of time getting into, but it's very much different from what we see in your quote unquote atypical Sasquatch report. And I think the danger we run into of saying, oh, well, these are just misidentified Sasquatch is explaining away one unknown with another. Because like you said earlier, we don't know what Sasquatch is. So to say that this unknown thing can be explained away by this other thing we don't understand, I think, one, I think that doesn't work. But two, I think we also miss out on an opportunity to explore something that, like you said, is different. It's quite a bit stranger. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk more about Dogman on this show in the future. But um, that's my take for what it's worth. Texas Dogman Triangle available at Small Town Monsters Shop today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, good great. Plug, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> great question, Bob Luga. Thanks so much. Yeah. I'm down to talk to Ackman anytime. See, um, that's what I like to, too about STM. Just there's different people have different interests. Obviously, yeah. I'm more into the Sasquatch mystery hominoid, man beast anthropoid kind of thing. You're more into the dog man. So it's cool because it's, again, it's not in my wheelhouse. So I'm like, dude, talk to Aaron. He knows his stuff. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool having, having little areas of specialized interest. Uh -huh. I don't know if specialized is the right word, but yeah. Again, thank you for that question. Uh, Scott has a has a comment for us that we have to get out there. We need to really <laughs> back the Kickstarter, get those funds in there to finance STM International Travel. Hey, man, nothing's off the table. A million people back this Kickstarter. God knows what we're going to come up with. Yeah, we did our yeah. first international trip, technically, with uh, British Columbia, Canada. Um, that was first ever time crossing out of the U.S. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, the Kickstarter in general is just really important because... Um, it's not just us begging for money. It's it's basically it funds all the operations, like all the productions and everything that we do. And we'll get more into talking about that, I'm sure, as the Kickstarter gets closer. But it allows you to be part of the productions, too. You're not just, uh, you know, 
on the side, you, you get your name and everything. There's a lot of cool rewards. I mean, ask people like Scott who have been backing for a while. There's definitely a lot of involvement, I would say, at least uh, in terms of people backing. So, yeah, I agree. I, I was a long time backer before we started working with STMs. I agree. Yeah, you get, you get a lot of cool stuff. <laughs> My favorite shirts are Kickstarter shirts. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Uh, Michael Tovar, always good to see you, Michael, asks, Alex, what are your thoughts about some witnesses reporting their sighting of Sasquatch being 10 to 12 feet tall? Too exaggerated or is there a possibility? And that's actually something we hear about in this episode of Beyond the Trail, um, where Mr. Nelson right. talks about the Sninic being 8 to 12 feet tall. So that was actually one of the questions I had for you. Yeah, that is something I've heard of. Um, so my answer to that is interesting. So I typically think it is a little bit of an exaggeration, 10 to 12. I think I've heard, you know, people say the range from six to 10 feet. I mean, 10 feet even would be a little bit stretching it for me, believability wise, 12 feet is huge. So I think what's happening, and this is just me personally, when you see people are, are unfortunately terrible uh, judges of distance and size in, uh, in high adrenaline moments. Um, there's all kinds of stories of people seeing an animal or seeing another person and misremembering details or, or adding details or, I mean, imagine seeing some kind of creature in the woods that isn't supposed to exist and his hair covering looks like a, a man ape while you're in the woods, maybe in a vulnerable position in camp or hunting. And this thing just seems larger in your mind than it maybe actually is because it already is a humongous creature. Um, I mean, I've seen, I've had run-ins with moose in the woods that I, I thought, my God, this thing had to have been 14 feet tall, you know, 3000 pounds, but in reality, it's probably more, you know, more realistic. So I think it may just be, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to judge in those kinds of moments. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying people are, are bad witnesses. I think people, especially in, in adrenaline moments, I mean, you see an animal again, that isn't supposed to exist or something that is not supposed to exist. A lot of Sasquatch encounters are traumatic, as we talked about in the last Beyond the Trail, also from British Columbia, my friend, uh, Leon Thompson talked about interviewing people who have had genuine PTSD from Sasquatch encounters. So uh, there's a lot of stuff associated with that. But something I do want to bring up, a good example is, I don't know if you can um, indulge me here for a moment. I'm going to share my screen. Please. And I want to share this window. Um, is it going to work? Can I not share? Oh, okay, let's do this. So here, let's share this. Let me know if you can see this. You just have to pull it up. Yeah. You want me to add it to the stage? Yes, please. That. Okay, here we go. So this Home Depot skeleton, right? People maybe have seen this. Yes. This skeleton, it, it's available. <laughs> I mean, you can get it at Home Depot. And it is, uh, well, I guess it's not on the website anymore. Uh, what is going on here? That thing so, is famous on TikTok. Yeah. These skeletons are 12 feet tall. So I've been in a Home Depot and I've seen them. And if you walk up right next to one, I mean, they are absolutely terrifying. Uh, and it's 12 feet, but you see how ridiculously tall 12 feet is so i mean here's a picture right with the guy next to it right so you can see the skeleton yeah. and the guy next to it i mean it's that's ridiculous i mean that's two basically six foot men something like that stumbling around in the woods as as big as north america is and as remote it is i find that hard to believe if i could just see something four feet shorter than that you know uh, is more maybe more realistic if we're talking i don't know but yeah so that's that's just kind of my answer to that I could see that. Yeah. You see something like that at a glance. Oh my God, 12 feet tall. Yeah. But when we get, when we get that tall, we're talking like original King Kong. Height. It's like giant height. Yeah. 
So yeah. I do appreciate the question though, but um, yeah, great question. Great question. Which again, that was something I had planned to ask you about. So uh, let's see, we are halfway through and we have a bunch of audience questions. So yeah, let's just keep going with the questions. Let's just unless, you wanna, unless you want to jump in, but I, I'm no, my notes are just in case nobody shows up and it's just <laughs> you and me talking all night <laughs> to kill time while people roll in. So no, this is right. why we're here. Um, <laughs> Danny Bonilla asks, be honest, do y'all ever doubt that Bigfoot's real? I'll go ahead and say, yeah, all the time. I'm 50, me too. 50 all the time, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Now here's the problem, right? Sometimes it's a lot of dedication. We travel to some of these places. You spend weeks out in the woods. You smell bad. It's miserable. And there are times where I'm sitting out there in the woods saying, you know, is it is this thing really even out here? What am I doing? <laughs> but then you get, you know, and then you get discouraged with the topic. And then you'll get some sighting or somebody tells you or shares a story that you hear about that you then investigate and find to be really credible. And I think about some of the people that I know that I can, you know, kind of list off in my head that had nothing to do with this topic. They wanted nothing to do with it. They still want nothing to do with it. And they're having these experiences that are so hard to explain. Plus I've had a few experiences of my own that while being, not being definitive at all, they are definitely intriguing. Uh, you know, what throws rocks at you and makes these wood knock type sounds. I mean, the wood knocks, I guess you could explain away in certain ways, which is possible, absolutely. But the, the rock throwing stuff, it gets a little hard to explain at times. Uh, you know, some of the whoops, some of the vocalizations. Yes, you could be misidentified. Happens all the time, right? But uh, yeah, I, but I absolutely, I'm, I'm not gonna be dishonest and say no, no, I never. I, there are times when I absolutely do, absolutely do doubt it. You know, I'm not 100. percent I've never seen anything I can call a Sasquatch, but I do. Then I again, I think about those people that I know and I trust that that have had these experiences. That I think, man, they saw something. I mean, whatever this is, I don't know what it is, but. Uh, there are definitely moments of doubt and you flop. I mean, I flop on one side and the other side. It just really depends on the day, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I'd say more of the time I lean towards, yes, it is real. But then there's those moments of doubt for sure. But it's a great question. I think, uh, you know, one we should all ask ourselves occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. Great question, Danny. I'm a, same on the dog man stuff. Some days I'm all in. Other days I'm like, this is this is insane. I'm yeah, insane. <laughs> right. Yeah, I totally agree. That's, that's this a is great way to put my it. job. What's wrong? With <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, Michael Mallory asks. I think I know the answer to this. Hello, Alex. Do you plan to do any investigating with Eli Watson again in the future? Thought you guys made an awesome team. I agree. They do make an awesome team. And I can just say based on what I know that STM has grown so much in the last couple of years that Alex and Eli are both incredibly busy working on yeah. different projects now. Um, but that's just what I know. Yeah. I mean, maybe at some point we'll see how things go. Um, we obviously did a lot of stuff together, but as Aaron just mentioned, we're both in different directions. I mean, I live on the East coast, Eli's on the West coast, just coordinating that alone is pretty difficult. Um, yeah, we had some good times, but uh, we both have different interests and different kind of series we get to do, which is really awesome. Obviously he does his Monsters and Mysteries and other series, the really cool one with the Olympic project now, um, Path to Discovery. I always get twisted with the titles, but that Path to Discovery. Um, so we have yeah. a lot of titles. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, yeah, it's it's hard to keep up at times. But <laughs> for yeah, sure. thanks for the question, Michael. Yeah, great question, Michael. Suffice to say, you've not seen the end of Eli or Alex and will not, any, <laughs> yes. will not anytime soon. Um, <laughs> uh, Baba Laga back with another great question. Um, and I have blocked my window somehow. I'll figure out how to get rid of that. But I can, Alex, yes, I can okay. see it now. Alex, have you ever heard of a sighting in which a squatch knocked on a tree in order to hunt rodents on the inside and then tearing the bark off to get to them? That's interesting. 
You know, I can't say I have. If you have, Bubaluga, I'd love to hear about it. But, uh, you know, I've only heard, I did in one of my audio videos from last year where we had Chris Spencer of the Olympic Project, who was heavily featured in Eli's series. He did a video with me just over a little over a year ago where he analyzed some sounds for us. But we talked about wood knocks. And I talked about alternatives to wood knocking. And I compiled with Scott from the Bigfoot Mapping Project any class A sighting that involved wood knocking and somebody actually claiming to have seen a Sasquatch, whether the wood knocking was seen or observed, because I had some anecdotal stories of person saying they saw Sasquatch and they, they heard a wood knock and they saw this thing clapping. Then there was a class A sighting from Florida in the Ocala National Forest of somebody hearing wood knocking and then thought it, thinking it was a guy in a, a ghillie suit hitting a tree with a stick and got closer and it was like an ape creature something Bigfoot like, Skunk Ape like. Um, so I, I did that and to kind of see, but I never heard of any, it was like 20 something sightings across North America that let's say somebody saw Sasquatch and then either before or afterwards, they also heard wood knocking type noises. Um, but nothing about, nothing along those lines with the rodent part, but that's an interesting idea. I mean, love to hear more if you have anything. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely point us towards those reports if they're, if they're out there somewhere for sure. He did follow up and say, I had a very strange auditory experience and came to this hypothesis. Knocking, mm. hunting for rodents. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, Hey, hit me up on social media or email and let me know. I'd be curious. Yeah, please, please. We get, we hear the most interesting reports on these shows sometimes. I love it. Yeah, for love sure. It. Yeah. Uh, here's an interesting question. Carl Peterson asks, have you ever thought of doing a deep exploration on horseback ever considering Patterson Gimlin approach? There's a cool idea. Yes, we have. I, I, unfortunately, that's one of those easier said than done situations. Um, horses are, are very difficult to deal with. I'm, I'm not, I don't have much experience horseback riding. I have done, you know, a little bit, but um, that would have to be done with obviously somebody who's like a, a guide who has horses. We've done one if you actually one of the earliest beyond the trails rocky mountain sasquatch in colorado eli and i went out to a ranch in colorado that had a history of activity we were sent there um, by jim myers of the sasquatch outpost and we got to go out and horseback ride in some canyons with the property owner the, the ranch owner there um, and again she was kind of running the horses we were just riding them but uh problem too is that a lot of places like i just specifically the patterson gillen film site you cannot anymore ride horses into that area, into the creeks, because the National Forest Service doesn't allow horses in the creeks. They say it contaminates the water. So mm -hmm. you can't even do the approach that Roger Patterson, Bob Gimlin would have done in 1967, where they rode up the creek, up Bluff Creek, on horseback. You can't do that anymore legally, at least. So and mm -hmm. you know, we're not going to just go and break some laws. So it depends on the jurisdiction, I guess, in the areas. But I would love to. I mean, that'd be great. At some point, that'd be really awesome to do. But it's, you know, it's, it's a very expensive thing to do as well. The logistics, there's a lot of logistics involved at deep wilderness with horses. I mean, somebody gets hurt, horse gets hurt. That's yeah. a whole big thing. So uh, you got to be with somebody who's really skilled with that kind of stuff. I'm not going to try to rent a horse and just go out into the wilderness. <laughs> See you guys in idea. a couple days. Yeah, yeah right. An ideal <laughs> it's scenario. It's a good question more. and I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a cool idea. It's, it's, it's a, a, I want it to happen. An ideal scenario would be like someone who has horses that lives on or in an active area that you could base out of. But And that's that's what we did in the Rocky Mountain one, which is really cool to just kind of go. And um, at one point, I think Eli's horse wasn't really cooperating. So yeah, the lady <laughs> actually had to hold the horse as Eli was also riding it. So that was kind of funny. So again, horses are temperamental. If you don't have much experience horseback riding, it's kind of tough. But <laughs> Horses scare me. They're too too big and too fast. Um, great, great question, Carl. Thank you for that. Yeah. 
Uh, Nara asks, do you think lights seen in forests and near Sasquatch encounters are related? We've had this question before. Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe. Uh, I mean, I don't personally think so, but I could be totally wrong. I'm, I could be totally wrong about a lot of stuff. But uh, I, I typically say, you know, people talk about, oh, orbs and Sasquatch. But let's say you saw an orb in the woods and then you saw a deer afterwards. Are you going to assume that deer is paranormal? just because you saw an orb in conjunction with it. So I think there are weirder things out there. I mean, I have had a UFO sighting. I don't in any way think that was in that instance connected to anything Bigfoot like it just happened in the area of Pennsylvania. Um, there was Bigfoot sightings in the general area, but there are in generally a lot of forested areas. There's also strange uh, sky. I mean, you think about some of these wilderness areas, they usually have pretty good dark sky. So that's a perfect place to look for stuff in the sky and see things aerial phenomena whether they be satellite human or something mysterious so i don't know I'm, that's just my the short answer is i have no clue yeah interesting idea yeah definitely great question nara thank you uh mr dollar store gloves again with the cool username alex have you ever investigated a sighting that wasn't in a wilderness area yeah i mean i think a lot of sightings aren't necessarily directly in wilderness areas a lot of times they happen in towns that are on the edge of maybe wilderness or forests. Uh, even some of the stuff here in New Hampshire that I've investigated that is kind of, um, it's, it's a rural area, right? But there's still homes and people still live out in these rural areas. So I wouldn't call that a true wilderness. We're talking the wilderness like in northern New Hampshire or maybe in Canada or Alaska where there's just nobody that lives for hundreds of miles. Uh, yeah, so I guess I have investigated settings that aren't in wilderness areas and again i mean you see there's other animals that come through to these areas right mm -hmm. people see other wildlife so why wouldn't a sasquatch hypothetically come through as well i mean no if they do i don't know we have some anecdotal reports in in san antonio um adjacent to the creek systems that run into the right. hill country so you know it, they do they do occur people do report seeing them yeah i will say there was also one sighting i remember eli and i heard about when we were in utah we were in uh, Vernal, Utah, which is a high desert near, it's near the Uinta Basin area. And the lady saw we had a short with a Bigfoot on it. And we were in a museum, a dinosaur bone museum. And she said her sister had had a sighting along a, the Green River. She told us where, and I remember looking at it on Google Earth or a map. And I said, there's no way. It is just this desert area. And there's a little canyon with trees all along the water. And I guess that's where animals move along from mountain range to mountain range as they follow the river. So I thought that was really intriguing. I mean, wow. Talk about a, maybe a bottleneck situation where you might be able to set up and see if something comes through. Possibly catch something, see yeah. what other animals you'd be able to catch, you know? Yeah. Great question, Mr. Dollar Store Gloves. Uh, we're coming up close to the hour, so shall we, shall we rapid fire through a few of these? Yeah, let's go. I mean, hey, maybe even we'll extend a few minutes. I don't know about you, but uh, take, a, take oh, a couple yeah. extra questions. But I'm good for rapid fire. I, I know I answer questions very long. But... No. Oh, you're good. Dude. Last show I of the could, year, we'll close it out with uh, trying yeah. to get as many questions as possible. I could, I could do this all night. Absolutely, yeah, same. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Rodimus Prime Four by Four asks, "Do you think y'all will shoot another episode in West Virginia?" Oh, I don't doubt it. I mean, I would love to, just because West Virginia is a beautiful place. I love it. Seth and the rest of the SDM crew really love West Virginia. I mean, they've been there so many times filming Mothman. Uh, Flatwoods Monster, Bigfoot stuff, Sasquatch on Earth. We've done an episode or two in West Virginia. There's so many different weird cryptids, and it's it's the heart of Appalachia. So you have a lot of really cool stories and getting deep in those hollers and hills. And yeah, I definitely will 
be back in West Virginia for sure. Yeah, highly likely. Highly likely. <laughs> a, a lot of a lot of friends of STM are set up shop down there as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great question, Rodimus. Dottie A asks, Alex, have you ever been to Michigan to explore Dogman or Bigfoot? I hear the Upper Peninsula, uh, Upper, has sightings. I have not. Short answer, have not. I would like to. I've heard the UP is pretty wild. It's kind of strange if you look on a map how it got disconnected from the rest of Michigan. They kind of just took that chunk. It seems like it should be part of Minnesota, but I, I don't want to get any Midwest beefs on my hand here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I would love to get there for sure. Yeah. Midwest so is very barren on my map so far. So hopefully, hopefully. I, I, I have it on my list to end up in Michigan. Yeah, in, in the course of this dogman stuff, nothing planned. It's just a pipe dream. So, yes, hopefully, Dottie. Uh, Icelandic Girly squad member, thank you, Icelandic Girly, asks, uh, I'm from Illinois and I love your films. According to the BFRO, Illinois is number five for reported sightings. Have you considered any investigations in Illinois? I didn't know it was number five. I don't know if I necessarily believe that uh, personally, but that's just me. Um, but I have heard of stuff in Southern Illinois. I know some of the Southern parts are kind of swampy and it's almost, there's this, the famous story there, the big muddy monster. I had, I know some people that have worked on some films on that. Um, Joe Turi and some other guys as well, Chad Lewis um, and those guys. So yeah, I mean, I, if I'm over there, yeah, but it's another one of those Midwestern places. I haven't really spent a lot of time in that area, but yeah, it would be cool to check, check it out at some point. Yeah, so hopefully. Ideally we would just, you know, every couple of weeks jump to a different state. Yeah. If, if yeah. it was doable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Babaluga back with another good question. Alex, do you know of any sighting where a Squatch swung using trees while running at ground level, like a chimp kind of propelling itself while running? I feel like I have, but I, I can't recall at the moment. I feel like I've heard of a sighting where there was definitely some kind of, I mean, I've heard of sightings on all fours, going on all fours uh, around here in New England to a lot of the sightings, blueberry picking, wild blueberries. People think what they see, they're, they're, they're seeing what they think is a black bear and then it stands up and runs off like a human. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know um, necessarily if I've ever remember a specific one. Hmm. So maybe, <laughs> maybe. Great question, Babaluga, once again. Uh, Mark Sen asks... <laughs> Thoughts on Patterson footage? How much time do we have? <laughs> Could be all, all night here. No, um, I'll just get into it. I lean towards it being real. There are days when I'm skeptical, some of the backstory, but um, I've been going to the Patterson-Gimlin film site definitely helped me determine, like, why would these guys choose this location? Why wouldn't they go to somewhere outside of town? It would look the same. Why all the effort to come to such a remote place? But, uh, yeah, so I do kind of lean towards it being real, but I'm not 100% on that. Yeah. That's a tough one. Short have, answer. <laughs> that's one of those things where I have days where I'm like, it's got to be fake. I don't know how they faked it, but it's got to be fake. And right. then the, the next day I'm like, this is proof. This is, this is it. Yeah. Great question, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> that's a, that's another can of worms. We could spend a lot of time picking up. Yeah. Uh, Mark Webster squad member for 27 months. Thanks, Mark. Wow, I appreciate cool. you. Uh, why haven't you spent time in Alabama yet? I don't know, man. There's just so many. You have to pick and choose your battles, right? There's only so many places I can visit in a year. <laughs> um, I don't spend a lot of time in that part of the country. I, I've been in Louisiana. That's one area. Um, I know there's some stories out of northern Alabama. I just haven't had a chance to check it out. Again, one of those places I li I'd like to check out every place, right? But with time limited, it can be tough. So yeah, uh, nothing, hopefully nothing. at some point. 
It's nothing personal. That's no, for sure. No, <laughs> nothing against Alabama. I've heard they got some good barbecue, and that's enough for me to want to at least go to a place. So um, I'm, believe me, I'll be there yeah, at some point. They got some good barbecue in Alabama. I'll, I'll, I could get they in trouble do like for chicken, that. white sauce, or something Texas. like that. I know they do a white sauce, I think, in Alabama. I could be totally wrong, but. I don't know. I remember we stopped at a barbecue place once on a road trip through there, and it was good. Yeah. Um, so, you know. Fair enough. But we're, we're here for it, Mark Webster. Absolutely. <laughs> Babaluga, another cool question. Alex, have you ever had a sighting? No, I have not. So it's a quick and easy answer. <laughs> yeah. Seth has. Seth has. Yes, yeah, that. he has had a sighting in Ohio. Yeah, you can see that on the Bigfoot Project, also on this channel. Uh, Mothman46, another squad member, our friend Mothman46. What's up, Mothman? Good to see you, buddy. Um, I was once shamed for doing field research. That's terrible. Uh, Do you think boots on the ground research has any importance? I I, I do. I I mean, yeah, I think it does. I think there's plenty of people, like you look at what the Olympic Project is doing, Chris Spencer and those guys, extreme dedication. I think field research has some importance, at least. I mean... Even personally, I mean, personally, I've got to explore so many great places. So on a personal level, I do think, I think it's unfortunate that you were shamed for that. But there are some people who think they're a lot smarter than they actually are um, in terms of this stuff. And you don't have to be a field researcher researcher to know about this topic. But getting in the field, you actually get to see what equipment works and what doesn't. I've had a lot of stuff I've learned about over the years. Uh, And you learn, how else are you going to learn about other animals? So you go out in the woods and learn about other things and learn how to track and identify different species and stuff like that. Um, That's, that doesn't have to be Bigfoot related. I mean, tons of wildlife biologists, other people do field research all the time. Yes, maybe they're trained for those kinds of things. But uh, if you're going out to study primates in Africa and you're a primatologist, you have to at least be aware of some of the other species and if you weren't trained on that, you may have to learn about it while you're in the field. And you may learn stuff that you weren't taught while out there as well in general. It's just it's a great learning tool and you just have fun with it. I don't see why it's, you know, some people are so against it, but uh, yeah, I don't know. This stuff can be polarizing sometimes. So. Yeah, that's unfortunately oh. you're ashamed for oh. that, buddy. I won't say much more than that because <laughs> nobody wants to hear me. But yeah, no, we, we, we feel you, Mothman46. Uh, Grant Rasha asks, here's an interesting idea. Any chance of you applying for grants to purchase or rent a fixed wing drone with night vision for finding wildlife? I don't know how, I don't even know if that's a thing. I mean, I don't think anything like that exists. I mean, uh, we've used thermal drones. I think thermal is much better than night vision. Night vision, I think, is completely inferior, at least, to spotting wildlife uh, in general. I mean, we've used the thermal drone, of course, up in Alaska with Damon, who's been on this show before. Um, but uh, as for the applying for grants, I, I mean, I, I think we'd probably be laughed out of the room. Oh, these guys are trying to look for Sasquatch while applying. I don't, and I don't know how that would work, but uh, I guess it's yeah. a cool idea in in theory. I think it'll be a better chance of me actually getting a thermal drone before I apply for a grant to get a fixed wing drone or something like that. So, yeah. Well, if you know anybody, either way, grant, appreciate the question. Yeah, maybe Grant knows someone. That maybe Grant's got an in because of the name yeah. Grant. I don't know. <laughs> oh wow. I oh <laughs> terrible Twi- I know uh, Twilight Zone theme Ooh. the year's almost over I'm I'm losing it <laughs> we, we all are brother uh, <laughs> uh, Matt's tube of you uh, <clears throat> gosh excuse me that was awful love the new episode don't do too much camping these days so I live vicariously through you guys thanks was wondering if you've ever experienced a negative interaction with locals in areas of investigating. Yeah, glad uh, glad to see you, Matt. Two of you. I know I've seen you a lot of our videos and streams. Um, 
Yeah, we've had some bad experiences. I mean, you you go the more you travel, the more you go to different places. You meet people that just maybe aren't into it or just oh, what are you doing here kind of stuff. Uh, nothing really comes to mind crazy about negative stuff. I guess that Satanist thing in Oregon was just kind of weird. That was a very strange interaction. <laughs> that wasn't too fun. <laughs> Uh, you know, sometimes people, you, you I, I sometimes try to talk to people about Bigfoot from a place of ignorance. I say, oh, you know, so I've heard there's a lot of weird sightings of Bigfoots around here. And I've, you know, I've had people say, because that kind of is me talking to someone, maybe they'll give me something and then I can kind of, instead of just saying, hey, I'm a researcher and tell me what you know. But sometimes I've, I've taken that approach and people have said, you know, oh, that's, that's a bunch of horse crap. And okay, that's. That's where that conversation is pretty much over, right? I mean, there's not much use to me in a random gas station talking to a clerk <laughs> like that. So, um, but yeah, nothing super crazy other than that. I guess Satanist thing in Oregon, and yeah, it's one of the weirder ones. Yeah, I would call that negative because we had to leave our camp, and this guy was circling our camp, so it was really weird. That's negative. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. nobody likes to be circled. <laughs> no. Nobody. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Uh, Grant asks, Alex, are there any special guests you would like to see make an appearance at Monster Fest 2024, June 28th, 29th in Canton, Ohio? We've, uh, we've got our guests wow. pretty much ready to, ready to go. We're still making some announcements over the next few weeks as to who's going to be there, but I would uh, like to see Aaron Deese there. <laughs> well, you know, you may, maybe I mean, it'll happen, maybe it won't. I'd like to see Alex Petikov. Um, we'll you know, see. we'll, we'll was, see what, uh, what can be arranged. I was hoping Darth Vader would make an appearance, yeah, but I right. think that's off the table. So no, it's um, going to be a fun time. It was so it's great, be great last year. We have a ton of great guests lined up. I'm not going to start naming names because I'll forget somebody and feel bad, but um, head over to stmmonsterfest.com. Everyone who's been announced is over there. So thank you, Grant. We appreciate that. Always good to talk about Monsterfest. Uh, Ronnie asks, Alex, will you be exploring East Texas? That would be cool. Yeah, I've heard some stuff out of there. Um, I know, Aaron, you got some... You're kind of in that corner of the world, so you've probably heard some stuff out of there. Um, I know people who have talked about East Texas, the Piney Woods for a while. Yeah. I've, been, I've driven through like Caddo Lake in that area, Texarkana, coming out from uh, Falk down into that area. Sam Houston National Forest seems to be a portal to another dimension. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but yeah, we got a lot. We got a lot of strange stuff going Sweet. on out here. So dogman stuff. Um, you kind of touched on this a moment ago, but if you'd like to add additional commentary, Chris oh. Boston asks thoughts on Bob Gimlin. So I don't know if they're referring to Bob Gimlin of the Patterson Gimlin film or the YouTube channel, Bob Gimlin, who goes by that same name, who mm. is, he does a lot of Bigfoot videos. I used to watch his videos. I haven't seen him in a while. I just, I've, I have to, I, I'm limiting my Bigfoot intake, I guess, because there's just so much. I can't, I can't. Yeah, you got to, you got to pace yourself. Yeah. I used to watch his stuff back in the day. I thought he was pretty cool. He did some, some interesting analysis of sightings and theories and um, yeah, I've never talked to him or anything, but uh, the, the Bob Gimlin, the original Bob Gimlin, Never met him, but I've heard from other people that he's pretty cool and he's his story's been you know, relatively consistent the entire time. Uh, he apparently turned down like a million dollars at one point to admit if the Patterson-Gimlin film was hoaxed, which, I mean, I'm sure his family was probably like, you should have just said, yeah, um, but the guy said, no, I can't. So that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Great question, Chris. Thank you. Uh, Baba Luga back again. I'm going to have Baba Luga start writing my interview questions for me um <laughs> alex what do you think about survivor man's mind speak claims i don't know i you know that was one of the things that when uh, les stroud and i got to talk to him about a month ago did an interview with him that again that's going to be in one of the upcoming videos about his alaska experience i don't know i mean he 
I wasn't a huge fan of the way he did his Bigfoot show because I think he went out with the, the wrong people, personally. People like Todd Standing and some other people who are maybe more hoax-orientated, to say the least, uh, without getting into too much controversy. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't speak for his experiences. Those are obviously his experiences. If they were legit, I don't know. I really have no idea. Yeah. A lot of factors at play, perhaps. But yeah. Les is an interesting guy, someone I look up to from his work on Survivor Man when I was growing up. So it was cool to talk to him. But I didn't. We didn't get into any of the mind speak. We just talked strictly about his Bigfoot or his his weird experience in Alaska, whether it was Bigfoot or not. And you'll yeah, my, hear about that in the future. Mind speak's a tough one. Yeah. Yep. But stay tuned for that. Uh, well, speaking of a name you said a second ago, uh, Running Roughshod asks, any thoughts on Todd Standing and his claims in videos? That's, um, wow, that's that, that, that's funny timing. Um, I don't know, man. I just think there's a lot of, <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, if you di actually dig deep into the past, so Steve Cole's Squash Detective has a lot of the original stuff when Todd first came out about over a decade ago, talking about this secret valley called Sylvanic that you could only get into by crawling through a cave and the natives told him about it. None of that was true. Um, and there's just a lot of sketchy stuff with him. So I'll leave it at that. Um, but definitely don't believe everything you see online in general. So, yeah. Yeah. I was going to add something. Yeah. Just don't believe everything you see. Yeah. Great. Great question running roughshod. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, Stephen Truthseeker asks, uh, I've heard reports of chimp-like creatures in the States, um, also hyena-type creatures. We do hear hyena-like regarding dogman descriptions from time to time, so I can I can confirm that. I was going to say that's probably some of the only stuff I've heard. There was actually some stuff that um, Les O'Dell in West Virginia, who's a fantastic human being, he shared some story and we were camping out there uh, a couple summers ago about these weird hyena-like creatures that people saw. He had two sightings from that area. That's as far as I know. I don't know. They said almost look like some prehistoric creature, so I don't know what's going on with that. But hmm. um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Escaped hyenas, I've heard of that. You know, so who knows? Yeah, that's always possible. Hyenas are terrifying. They're like cartoons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dottie A asks, Alex, do you have a science background? I do not. Um, I mean, I, I guess... I guess I got a political science background. Does that count? I mean, that's a different, I'm just kidding. That's not, that's a different type of science. No. So I studied when I went to college, I studied communications. So video, film, digital stuff, media, as well as history and political science. So, um, uh, but I do have a little bit of a background in naturalism. I used to take some survival training slash naturalism where we'd have to, uh, identify, learn how to track animals, identify plants, species, and do that kind of stuff. So, that's science-ish, but I'm, I'm not a scientist, nor do I claim to be. I try to be a citizen scientist to the best of my abilities, but it's uh, it's tough. That's why I love being able to talk to people who have science backgrounds or investigative backgrounds, like in Alaska with Larry Beans Baxter, him being an investigator, police officer, you know, having those, you know, collecting data is part of that job. So when I get into situations like this, I try to talk to people who have the necessary skills to pass that stuff off to like with um, uh, Dark Coast as well. We were able to send those hair samples out to uh, somebody who tests uh, microscopic analysis on hairs because they're scientifically trained in that. So that was really, a really cool resource to have. I don't put enough, uh, I don't put too much into myself in that respect. I try to pass it off because I, there's people that know a whole heck of a lot more what they're doing than I do, <laughs> for mm. sure. Well, that's part of how science works, you know, collaboration and sharing information. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Great question, Dottie. Thank you. Uh, Baba Lugo, once again, there's some valuable information for all of us. Alex, what is your favorite source of Bigfoot info? Huh, Other I, than the Small Town Monsters YouTube channel. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, I like a lot of old Bigfoot books. Uh, eyewitness stories, I guess, kind of, uh, or encounters, some of the behavioral um i would say the bigfoot mapping project just in terms of sightings because you're able to go and look and whether or not those sightings are real or not or if you want to do a deep dive on them they're listed from the bfro from the uh, nawac other databases um, but i don't know there's a lot of bigfoot's info that's just bs online unfortunately i think a good amount of it is hearsay and conjecture it's a lot of what we have but um i wouldn't say there's a singular or a favorite source there's people that I know that I trust as researchers that, and then I, like I said, I think a lot of times when I meet or speak to eyewitnesses, if it has something, what, what I find interesting is when they give me a detail that I've heard from somebody else in a different geographical area, and there's no way they know each other, especially if they're not internet savvy or tech savvy, they, they probably wouldn't have looked it up. So um, I think it's interesting to kind of get those sort of tidbits of info. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot out there. You kind of have to do your own sort of filtering and see what yeah. you know, what's credible and stuff. Yeah. Great question, Baba Luga, once again. Uh, Teg asks, the tech they are remapping the Amazon with, could it lend itself to the Bigfoot cause in any way? I don't know enough about that. I don't know either, but I'm thinking it's they're referring to um, some of the, is it LiDAR drone technology they're using to map some of these areas of the Amazon? There's claims... And this gets kind of not controversial, but there's a lot of opinions about it. A guy named Graham Hancock, he talks about ancient civilizations. There's theories that the Amazon possibly had a lot of human civilization in it, and then for whatever reason was abandoned. I don't know. I, I'm, this is just stuff that I've read and, and, and seen videos on. And I think it's the LiDAR technology they're talking about that they're mm -hmm. using for this. Um, if that is, if it's not, you know, let me know. But uh, that kind of stuff, maybe. I mean, I don't know. LiDAR, I think, would be more applicable to stationary objects. You can use it to find underground structures and map stuff out. I don't know if a living organism would necessarily show up on that. I don't, I don't know nearly enough about that to even give an educated answer, but that's my best guess. Yeah. But it's a great question. I really do appreciate that, Tag. Yeah, RTG. really interesting idea. Tag. Tag. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's Tag or TG. Thank you, Tag. Appreciate that. Uh, Michael Tovar, Alex, I'll be in New Orleans for Sugar Bowl since I'm driving there. Any areas of hot spots for Sasquatch I can drive to? That's Rougarou country. Yeah, I mean, if you go south, you go to Rougarou country. But if you go 35, 40 minutes north of or across the Lake Pontchartrain from New Orleans, you are in the Honey Island Swamp, which is home of the Honey Island Swamp Monster, a Sasquatch-like mm -hmm. creature report. We did a video on it. You, if you want to go watch the video, that's probably actually a good source of data, I suppose. Um, it's hard to get into some of the areas of swamp, but you could take a swamp tour, which takes you to some beautiful parts. You got these cypress trees. Uh, that one was um, Tales of the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Uh, it's, it's a video from, I, I believe it was from May or April of this year, because uh, I was out there in February last year, um, or this year. Uh, so check that one out. It's Honey Island Swamp, probably closest. It's like literally you just hop on the highway, outside, go outside of New Orleans, and you get to the town of Slidell, and Honey Island Swamp is all up behind there. So go check it out. Yeah. It's cool. Honey Island, let us, let us know what you see, Michael, even if it's just cool nature. We're into that. Uh, Eli Watson, don't know who he is, asks, is this the guy from the Dark Coast series? <laughs> uh, maybe. I think so. Possibly. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's hard to tell. There's a lot of guys. Is that, in that, is series, that the guy so. from that uh, that Monsters and Mysteries series? The is that actually him and, commenting? The no Monkeys and wow. Mountains series? No. Celebrity <laughs> sighting here, guys. <laughs> hey, Eli. Good to see you. He's a squad <laughs> member, too. Props. He is. He's been on this show before, actually. You can believe it. A couple it. times, huh? Yeah. Once, once or twice, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Awesome. Uh, Tim Vogel asks, uh, has Alex experienced infrasound? Tim, hey, this is my buddy Tim. He's from uh, out in Western Massachusetts, Squatchachusetts member, actually. Ah. He's a researcher out there. Good guy. I met him at an event. I saw him at an event recently. Um, I, I have not, to my experience, that I know of. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't really know a whole lot of infrasound, whether or not Sasquatch can use it or other things can use it. There's there's a whole lot of questions. Um, I've heard about infrasound, though, but nothing nothing personally. I haven't ever been zapped, as people like to call it, but uh, maybe we'll see what happens. I don't know. Yeah, that's another one of those things, though. How would you know? You know, think about all the times you randomly got sick. How would you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. Great question, Tim. Thank you. Good to see you. Represent something you can see, you know, the. Yeah, answer. yeah. Your phone's not gonna like ping you. <laughs> you have experienced infrasound. Oh, I got a text like message. It? I can feel it. <laughs> I mean, maybe at some point, cell phones will have little sensors in them that like yeah. you are experiencing infrasound. Get out of here! Like, I'm saying <laughs> there actually is an app. Believe it or not, there is an app I can show oh. you called Red Vox Infrasound Recorder. I have it on my phone here. Oh, and it'll show you. Apparently, I don't know how good it is. I, I've not really tried it in the field. But I, I have it. I want to do some experimenting with it. Yeah. So that's cool. Free too. Red, Red Vox. Check it out, guys. Red Vox. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. Really interesting question. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Last question of the night, it looks like, coming from our friend Scott, who has hung out with us this whole time. A lot of you guys have been here the whole evening. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, Alex, you have collaborated with a number of folk over the last few years, but is there a current researcher out there that you would like to collaborate with and capture doing associated film? Yeah, that's a great question. It works with a lot of people. Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely a few. Uh, Matt Pruitt is one of them probably not a surprise to you, Scott. Um, I've, I've, behind the scenes, I've told him about my high regard for Matt. Uh, I've got his book in my collection. Uh, yeah, Matt Pruitt's one of them. Russ Jones, he's another one. He's somebody that's been in the Sasquatch on Earth series. He's in West Virginia. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of researchers, people that I'd like to work with again, but those are people that I haven't had a chance to work with. And who knows, that may be happening in the near future. We shall see. So, yeah, hopefully. There's... <laughs> There's a lot of people out there, man, doing great work. And yeah, there's some good good folks. I would definitely love to uh, hang out with some of them. For sure. <laughs> Keep checking the names off the list. Yeah. Well, folks, it has been a fantastic evening. Alex, a pleasure hanging out with you as always. So thank you for penciling yeah. us in once more. Very busy yeah. schedule. Thank you guys all for your questions. I mean, I'm sure we could have been here all night. Just keep on going. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Again, we'll as always, guys, any questions we didn't get to, my sincere apologies. Um, it's nothing personal. Um, there's just a lot. There's, <laughs> there's just a lot, a lot of you. And you're all great. So it's, yeah. But no, please appreciate, it. appreciate you very much. Yeah. Please join us next week for the first show of the new year where we'll have uh, a special guest, maybe two special guests. I don't know. We've got something cooking in the background. You'll have to stay tuned to find out. Um, be sure to follow us on your social media platform of choice. And again, later this week, we're revealing some more awesome Kickstarter stuff for you. But in the meantime, have a great evening. Thank you so much for being here and watch out for monsters. <laughs> All right, buddy. Take it easy. You too, man. 
You've been listening to the Small Town Monsters Broadcasting Network. If you enjoyed this show, consider giving it a like, review, rating, or sharing it with a friend. And be sure to visit smalltownmonsters.com for more info about this and other STM projects.